know, Paul and I loved you guys. We walked a road with many of you in different contexts. Uh, some of the seeds of Fountainville that have found their way to Woodstock over the years. And so this has been a, uh, a bit of an Dunham's cave, I think, uh, in terms of the gathering of people who've sought grace. So it's, um, it's a wonderful thing. I want to jump straight in because I understand you guys are doing a series on compassion. And that is such a significant thing at this time. And I want to just declare over you that uh, this is going to be a pivotal, obviously not just because of the changes that are happening, but pivotal in terms of the core understandings, the essence of your church. If compassion could become the fundamental bedrock on, on which you build going forward, uh, you're going to find yourselves in a, in a solid place. So I, I think it wasn't just by chance that you stumbled across this theme at this time. So open your Bibles. Go to right at the beginning. Genesis 1. Going to jump straight into this. And I've, I've sort of been titled Compassion and Courage because here's the thing. When you know that you're loved, a new boldness comes on you. Hey? You all know that scripture of God is love and, uh, and His perfect love casts out fear. When you know you're loved, you become bold. It's no wonder we watched uh, during COVID. We watched uh, The Crown and, uh, and Diana's struggles. Um, a woman who, who, who was not loved, uh, who was used. And, uh, and the pain and the turmoil and the conflicts and the degradation and brokenness that came out of being unloved, but just used. But God's not like that. Uh, God's not like Charles or the monarchy or anything. <laughs> we have a very, Colleen's a royalist and I'm not, so we have some interesting discussions. Uh, anyway, she may be right, I may be wrong, but uh, God knows. But here's the truth. In Genesis 1.26, God says, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the livestock, the earth, creatures that move on the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he, him male and female, created he them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. I want to just open this and, and say, in the very beginning, God created us to live in a compassionate partnership. There was no plan in God for a patriarchal control system. It was always God's intention that there would be a partnership. Just as the Father loved the Son, the Son loved the Father, the Spirit was the bond, the, the go-between God in them. So God has made us in His same image to live in compassionate partnerships with each other. And some people will then throw at us and say, as I've had this done many times, well, if Adam had taken his patriarchal authority seriously, he would not have been silent when, when Eve needed him. And sure, it was, his, it was his passivity, it was his silence that led her to greater vulnerability to the seduction and the fall. However, it wasn't his neglect of patriarchy, but his neglect of a partnership. That's very important for us to understand. And God has always intended uh, us to live in, in compassionate partnerships. It transforms our lives. So, you pick this up in, in, in chapter 3, here, uh, where we have after the, the fall. And by the way, did you see that he gave them both the mandate to rule, to manage? It wasn't a masculine thing. It was a mankind thing. And there are some things that, that one gender can manage better than another, not because of the gender, but because of the gift mix that's there. So, we, uh, we do celebrate the giftings that we carry. In Genesis chapter 3... <coughs> You guys make me dry, you know that. <laughs> <laughs> Peter, 
Sorry? Yeah, that's something. Very cool. Oh, they're fishing. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, Genesis chapter 3 now. Let's we'll swing over. The serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman. So here's the, just the point I want to make right here. He divides in order to conquer. And that's a military strategy. But he'll always pick one and not the other and bring about a division. He divides in order to conquer. And that might work on the fields of military exploit. But it's not God's plan for our mankind experience. And so he, he brought about a division here in order to bring a conquest uh, over mankind. So it wasn't because of the woman's uh, inherent vulnerability per se, but simply because there was a division in the partnership. And the partnership was breaking down. And as a result, um, there was a greater vulnerability. And so in verse 6, and the conversation goes on in, in verses in between. In verse 6, when the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. So we know he's, he's present. He's not saying anything. He's not doing anything. He's just present. He's, a, he's, a, he's, he's passively present. Um, you, some might say, well, at least he showed up. At least he was there. Well, that's just not good enough. You need to come with who you are and what you carry. Just being present is, is not really going to do it for the partnership. So it was a, a betrayal of partnership. And the partnership was birthed in a loving relationship, in compassion. So let's just take a few moments. I know you guys are into uh, nuggets. So we're having a mini message. Is that right? Eh? Okay. Just a mini message that would catch the heart of this thing. So just hold this primary thought, the foundation, the bedrock, is that God designed us to live in compassionate partnership relationship. And that's true for our individual relationship as also for the church, for our mankind. That's why we in South Africa believe strongly in Ubuntu. A person is a person to other people. No man in his island unto himself. We, uh, if you're in pain and, and I have capacity to do something about it, and I do not, I am complicit in the evil that brought your pain. So, and Nelson Mandela taught a lot more around that, but we're sticking to the nugget. So here's the thing. It's a compassionate call to relational life. So let's just get a better handle on that by looking at four quick pictures in Scripture, how Jesus emphasized this and, and Scripture speaks of it for us. And here's the main thing. is As I said in the beginning, compassion births courage. Compassion makes you brave. When you know that you're loved, you live differently. If Diana had known she was loved, she would have not succumbed to all the bulimias and everything else that went on in her life and the brokenness and the retaliations and, and all that uh, deep, deep uh, uh, disturbance. Thanks, Luke. <coughs> Tequila. <laughs> yeah. So, compassion births courage. So let's look at four pictures of what that means for us. Yeah, and the first one is in Matthew 9, Jesus looks out, Matthew 9 verse 36. If you've got your Bibles open there, flip right. Matthew 9 verse 6 is in the, in the, in the, in the uh, heyday of his uh, earthly ministry. And uh, verse, Matthew 9 verse 35. He went through all the towns, villages, teaching in the synagogues, preaching good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. 
When he saw the crowds, this is verse 36, he had compassion on them. And I love the Greek word for that. It's splachnitsoma. You can just feel your guts turning. Huh? Splachnitsoma. Something's happening. Your whole being is responding. Uh, it's being evoked into a response to what you're seeing. And it says here, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He saw that. Compassion helps us to see differently. We, we actually have our eyes open. We, we have an awareness, a circumstantial and interpersonal awareness. One of the broken elements of my earlier history as, uh, was in my anxieties. I became distanced. I was, I'd be physically present uh, like you all are now, but emotionally absent like some of you might be right now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You can be in the place, but not connecting. And, uh, but when you've tasted compassion, it opens your eyes to make you look at mankind in a different way. You see differently and it births a new mercy in you towards others. I love the way you guys carry that here in Woodstock, in, in, this, in this church. I love the choice of songs by that, James. That is fantastic. Love it. Especially that amazing grace. they eh? landing on that. Wow. And, and the profundity of the words we're singing. Don't let them just wash over you. Hey? Let them soak into your soul. God's in that. He's in that. He inhabits the praises of His people. So that's the first little picture. Jesus sees the crowd. Like the disciples were also seeing crowds. But He saw them with compassion. He saw them for what they really were. And He saw into the, the heart of them where the pain was coming from. Where the confusion was. They were helpless and without, like, like sheep without a shepherd. They had, they had no protection, no provision. And, uh, and they were destitute. They were orphaned. Uh, and... Um, <clears throat> And then he said to his disciples, we've got to get to praying now. We've got to get to praying. That the Lord of the harvest would, would raise up and send out workers. Uh, there's an urgency about this thing. Can you see what I'm seeing? The, 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 the eyes of, of compassion that, that help us to, to look at it. Sometimes we, we don't, when we haven't been soaked in compassion, we, we don't really want to, to see because in case there's a compulsion put on us to do something about it. But when we're soaked in compassion, it's no longer a compulsion. There's a new energy and a new resource that is released within us to, to reach out and do something about it. I don't think that God ever intended us to be saved by law. Uh, Terry and others here yeah, may be more theologically astute than I am. Uh, I've, over the years, I've, I've become so grateful to discover that God is not a bully. God is a lover. He doesn't bully us into, into obedience. He doesn't obligate us. He inspires us. He, his whole message is, a, is an invitation through inspiration, not obligation, to, to, to engage with Him and His, his affair on the, on the earth, His love affair on the earth. And, and so he says, Paul picks us up, and, and Paul, because Paul was a bully until he had his, his uh, Damascus Road experience, and, and then something turned for him. And he became humble, blinded, until he could see differently. Huh? And, and in, that, uh, in that moment, he saw how powerful grace was. And he went on to write that the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness. Not the law. All the law does is teach us to, to know what scabangers we are. But grace teaches us to say no. It empowers a no to ungodliness. When you know that you're loved, and compassion is, 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 is ruling in your life, there's a, a new energy, and you see people who are suffering because of the absence of that. So it's a new way of seeing. The second quick picture 
If you'll flip with me to Luke 10, uh, well, you probably know the story of the, where Jesus speaks in answer to the question, who is my neighbor? Remember? Uh, when he speaks about neighbor love. And he gives them the parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10. And in that parable, uh, he talks about the man going down from Jerusalem to, to, to Jericho. He's going down to business. He's been up in a hard place. He's coming down to business. And, and he falls amongst robbers. Uh, who speak of uh, oftentimes our, our everyday life experience, not, not unlike what Colleen had a couple of weeks ago. And, um, and, and, and the, the robbers have a me-only attitude. So then, uh, then there's the, the, the priest that comes by and he's got a uh, me-first attitude. Huh? Uh, and the Levites likewise, they come just after that. They've got their own uh, selfish attitude all the time. It's about themselves, about preservation. Until the Samaritan comes past. He's a mixed breed. He's not even kosher. He hasn't got a proper pedigree in humanity. He's, he's a despised species. And he comes past and he stops. And here's the thing. Jesus says, I'm telling you now about compassion-driven living. And here's a man who's prepared because of the compassion of, of, of his discover, discovery of God in his life. A compassion that gives him the courage for interruption, for inconvenience. How many of us have not wanted deeper commitment in our communities, in our churches? Eh? And how many of us have had, had to walk the hard road of discovering you can't command it? You cannot command commitment to be deepened. It doesn't work that way. You can't, you can't command someone to love you. You can only inspire them. Uh, and pray. And be, be a source of inspiration for greater responsiveness. So God doesn't command us to love Him. Without us realizing it, He's first loved us. When we know His love for us, the, the initiative is with Him. And the response becomes ours. And He makes an offer that you just can't refuse without being absolutely doff. <laughs> you know, the, the power of His love to transform our lives is so significant. So yes, the, the compassion we're speaking about makes us courageous to accept and, 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 and work with uh, inconvenience. Like the, the, the good Samaritan. He allowed himself to be inconvenienced on his journey. He gave up his means of transport. He gave up his capacity, his, his resources to support. And, uh, and, there was this, and it wasn't just a, a momentary fly-by-night inspiration. He said, I'm going to come back and if there's anything outstanding, I'll see to it then. And, and, he, and he, he commits to the whole process of walking with this broken man. We find broken humanity all the time on the streets of our, of our journeys. And uh, we are needing to understand that uh, compassion will help us to say yes to the courage it takes to be inconvenienced, to have our plans interrupted. I mean, for Signal Church, it wasn't your plan that Cal and Jess should head off to Bristol. God knows why they're going. Only God. But He knows, and that's good enough. He knows. Uh, it wasn't our plan for that to happen. But here's the thing. Somehow in the inconvenience of it all, hey? God brings about amazing new chapters, new things. We have to let that happen. And we have to trust Him. Yeah. We, we have to always, Colin always reminds us here, we don't trust people, we trust God in people. And we trust God for people. And that's very freeing, very releasing. Huh? Yeah. So that's the second quick picture uh, in this little cameo of, of compassion producing courage. Helping us to say yes to inconvenience. And being a church of people who, who willingly embrace that. Not because your pastor shouts and, and, and names and shames you for not doing it. 
but because something in you has tasted how God was allowing himself to be inconvenienced for our sake while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Eh? Let's go to the third quick cameo of how compassion births courage that transforms lives. And you, you know that happened in Acts 2, on the day of Pentecost. In Acts 2, when the Spirit was poured out and, and these fearful people, confused, bewildered, uh, dismayed, because he has a, the one who, who, who taught them so many amazing truths, performed so many miracles, and prophesied he'd go to the cross, actually did it, and now he's dead. And then there's a resurrection. And, and they're trying to understand this thing. Now there's a resurrection thing. And, and, and still not making sense of these historical events that have happened. And then the Spirit comes. And suddenly, there's a revelation and understanding. And, and not only that, not only do they get new ideas, they've got a new lifestyle. So what happens in Acts 2, verse 44, uh, is just one of the examples of, of this new lifestyle. All the believers were together and had everything in common. And then the verses surrounding that elaborate on that. Here's the thing. There's a new appreciation of community that comes from the foundations of compassion. It makes us brave. Huh? Allah daring greatly and rising again. Huh? Jenny? Jenny is a fan of Brene and she's taught us to love daring greatly. And she, she's a daring greatly woman. I've listened to some of your messages, Jenny. You're the South African version of Brene. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> community, community. Wow. And so when you birth in compassion that uh, brings forth a new courage, you say yes to all the risks involved in community. Because here's one of the biggest risks. It's, it's risky to love. Right? When you love someone, the chances are that uh, they may be taken from you. They may leave you. Things can happen. Stuff can, can go down. Uh, as Caleb reminded you, we've been through a number of incidents over the last... It actually went back earlier to just three years ago. I had a, a bout of, after a mission trip to Malawi and Zambia uh, of uh, Legionnaire's pneumonia. And I never knew much about it. I, I read up very, very quickly because it was happening. And I was in this thing when there's like a 15% uh, mortality or something like that. It's, like, it's quite hectic. And then this whole year, there's just scenarios... Um, and so we, we, we realize increasingly we don't own each other. Eh? We don't own each other. And, and so there's a risk in loving. Um, and and uh, you see, it's risky because you, you have to lay down something eh? in order to let love have its way. There's a, there's a, there's a, um, a cooperation in love. There's an opera, a cooperation in the community of God's people who are, who are establishing the fabric of their life in compassion. Not in a new order of things. We're having an interesting scenario uh, as a particular church in PE where um, <clears throat> more and more members are relocating to us. We've had a few that have relocated, relocated from our side to, their, to them. And strange to say, they've also, they've also grown to a point there because it's a church that believes quite strongly that if you're a Christian, then your life will look thus and so. If it doesn't look thus and so, then you need to be under discipline and it needs to be shaped. And if you can't do that, we'll do that for you. Um, and of course, when people are struggling with, with a genuine brokenness and genuine, genuine journeying after God, the Dullam's Cave quest, you know, uh, what do you do with that? You don't want to learn a new religion. 
Because you've just been saved from whatever philosophies and religious thoughts have been. So how do you get into that? Um, there's one guy, uh, you know, that, that was, and they knew, normally don't just leave, they are asked to leave. And then they found their way to us. There's one guy who's come to me and thanked me a number of times for the freedom he's found to honestly get hold of the grace that can change his life. And he had some severe brokenness, but he is transforming week on week. It's phenomenal to see when there's a, an expression of grace. I'm not boasting about those things because we're only boasting in the gospel. That's all we do. We're boasting in the gospel. But it's, a, it's such, a, it's a, such a, a declaration of the power of grace that's, that grows only in the good soil of compassion. When you've known the compassion of God, then you can love one another like that. But if you have come from some kind of, uh, God, you, you, know, you owe it to me. Have you seen what I've done for you, Lord? Uh, and how my life has been and how our church shapes up and look at this and look at that. And, and there's an impresario thing going on towards God. It doesn't work with God, you know. It doesn't work with Him. Uh, there's, a new, there's a new exploration of the meaning of community when you work with uh, compassion that inspires courage. Courage to, to love in such a way that what you have is not your own. You, you're willing to hold it available to others. Your time, your gifting, your plans, your hopes, everything. Even your preference to, to, to stay where you are. Huh? And yet you know there's a call and you've got to follow through. Huh? You've got to follow through. And we have to let each other do that. And we don't own each other. We have each other on loan. Huh? There's a fourth quick cameo just to round this. Uh, and, and, and it's a picture of Peter in John 21 again a resurrection picture and if I can again say in the title of, of uh, Brene's other book Rise Again, Rising Again hey? uh, huh? yeah. so uh, Peter, Peter was warned uh, by Jesus that uh, uh, Satan had desired to sift him as wheat and he, would, and, and he would betray the Lord he would deny him three times before the cock crowed you know that whole conversation went on and then um, and Peter said, that'll never happen. And then it happened. And as the cock crowed, Jesus turned and looked at him with this moment of, of bitterness of soul, of brokenness. And Peter realized what a jerk he'd been. And he'd, he'd, he'd messed this thing, this whole plan for the Messianic breakthrough. That, that he had an improved plan on Judas, but he still had his own scheme going. And, and, and it had to be challenged and changed. And, and he was shattered. Uh, and then in Jesus' resurrection appearances... He, he lands on the beach one moment for a bride and, and, he, and Peter and, and Jesus connect again. And there's that John 21 interchange of uh, threefold questioning for threefold healing on the threefold betrayal that had taken place. Feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. And, and, and Peter comes into a new place. He, his ministry gets made on the back of his own brokenness. I want to say, as I said to the leaders of this church the other night too, um, and we're reminded of, of this by John Wimber saying, never trust a leader who doesn't limp. Those who limp are more trustworthy than those who've got the act together and the longest CV in the land. You're not looking for length of CV. You're looking for authenticity of brokenness and of grace. If that makes sense to you. Somehow those that have drunk deep of the compassion of God are much more likely to have the courage to lead in compassionate ways. Because it takes courage to lead in compassionate ways. It doesn't look good in the eyes of the world. It looks like what you guys think you're up to there. A church that's full of sinners. Broken people. It's like 
complaining about your hospital because there's so many sick people in it. <laughs> well, Peter has this conversation with, with Jesus and, 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 he, and, he, and he gets affirmed and he rises again. And Jesus is able to fulfill the, the promise that Peter would be a leader uh, of, of, of God's people. Um, and, and he was a slow learner because I, I love this. The fact that Peter's revelation of grace was growing. I mean, why right up into Acts 10, this is way after Pentecost, he still thinks the gospel is just for the, for the Jewish people. He still thinks that. And God's got to interrupt him again with his, you remember the, the dream and, and, the, and, and the sheet kill and eat instruction. You can have it all, but it's mixed, hey? Don't know if pangolins or anything in that sheet, but it was all kinds of stuff we wouldn't want to be eating. And certainly as Peter's diet was concerned, and God said, don't call anything unclean that I call clean. And, and Peter gets his challenge on, on his legalism again and again. Huh? And, uh, but he rises. He rises. And, and there's a new commitment to him. So much so that at the end of his life, when it's time for him also, along with uh, ten, I think 10 of the other, uh, of the other um, apostles, when it's his t- time to die, as it were, for the gospel, um, he says, I'm not worthy of dying like Jesus did. And they crucified him upside down by his own request. Just, he just didn't want to. He didn't want to replace Jesus at all. He, he, he was not there. He was so soaked in the tenderness of God. Huh? So, let me land this. I was sitting in lockdown and thinking around the whole Moses leadership thing. And what, what do you do when a leader when a leader struggles? Where does a pastor go to resign? And lockdown can do... How, how, how many of you have found some hard things happen in lockdown? Anybody? Yeah? It wasn't always plain sailing. Yeah? And I went through a time when I, some of my earlier depressions came back at me. And I, I said, Lord, what's this about? And I started listing about 12 windows through, through which the depression was coming at me. You know? One of them, obviously, just, just the physical condition you're experiencing in, in COVID-19. Um, and, uh, and realizing... The, uh, as the Lord was leading me back to just read the, the time of Moses when he went through a, a, a fundamental um, recalibration in, the, in Exodus 30 to 34. Remember, he said, let's get the vision clear. He goes up the mountain. God gives him the, the vision, but written by the hand of God on stone. And, uh, and while he's gone, the people are just living so loose, so badly. Uh, and even his associate pastor that he put in place in, in Erin had just become complicit with the brokenness of the people and, 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 and wouldn't even own responsibility for that when he was challenged and said, you know what happened? We, we threw the gold in and out came this cough. It just, just happened. <laughs> you know? and, and he was doing like the Shepherd Bashiri thing and all these tricks that they, that they get up to. Um, and, and, and Moses was so upset at that time. And you read this, and he goes to God and says, God, just who are you? Now, how, how can I be sure you're still leading us? Because look at your people. Look what your people have done with your purposes. And, and, and God speaks back to him and says, Moses, look at your people. And nobody, neither God nor Moses, wants to take responsibility. Each one's blaming the other. And the conversation goes on in Exodus 33. And then... Uh, then um, Moses says to God, show me your glory. What's the height, the best expression of who you are? And God says, I'll cause my goodness to pass before you. My goodness. The compassion of God. That's the height of who he is. 
and you and I want to I want to I want to close this little message by by just reading uh, what. Uh, uh, the last interchange between Moses and, and God concerning this. This is what God says in, in verse 6 of Exodus 34. At the end of that healing of a wounded leader discussion. Uh, he passed in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord. This is God himself. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God. Slow to anger. If ever there was a moment that he could have been entitled to anger, it would surely have been this. Slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness and rebellion and sin. Don't you love that picture of God? He says, Moses, be reminded when it's all said and done and you've been through your disillusionments and your wounded times as a leader. And, um, and, and, we, and I gave you that written vision of what my people would look like called the Ten Commandments, which is really God's description of what a life lived in love with God would look like. Not the command on which we were to get saved. But this is an unchangeable, indisputable, absolute. We do believe in a God of absolutes. It would look like this. You wouldn't kill. You wouldn't commit adultery. You would live restfully. All this in a summary form. The, the commandments of God were given as a description. I know there would be those that would differ here. I want to say God's intention was that they would be far more descriptive than prescriptive for us. It's not like God is saying if you do this you will be saved. He's saying, when you are saved, you will do this. When you know my love, God didn't change his mind and say, let's start off and see how far I can get with commanding them to love me. He was saying, let me see if they, could, if they can sense and know my love. And if they do, then these things will be, this will be your checklist. These things will be in place. So when Jesus came and he modeled that, it's a whole new deal. And I just love that scripture where he says, slow to anger, bounding in love. Uh, and then I'm reminded, as I, as I close this, of how God has, has done so much in my own life, as has increasingly has shown me His compassion. And in the process, has helped me carry something of His heart towards others. And just after I got them saved, uh, and there were two, two distinct moments, I'll tell you about one of them, where I was only a few months into, into following Jesus. And uh, I, saw, I saw some kid being bullied in the school, and I was only about 13 years old myself. I got saved at 12. And, and I, something rose up in me and said, this is not right. Not right. And I just let loose of these bullies in the cloakroom, uh, in the, the school where I was, high school. And I said, this is not right, guys. In the name of Jesus, stop what you do. I was only 13. I was great. What do you call that thing? Grade 8, eh? Stand, standard 6. I mean, you guys don't remember standards, I don't think. Eh? You do. Good. And, and I said, this is not right. You know, they, they looked at me. They picked me up with I had a blazer on. And they hooked me with my blazer on the, on the top peg of the cloaks. You know? And I sit like a spider on the wall. And I've never forgotten that. I think, well, if this is what it's going to take to follow Jesus, then bring it on. Bring it on. I don't know. I don't think we ever graduate away from risk to safety in following Jesus. It stays dangerous. And yet it's the safest thing to do. Because it's rooted in His love. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the revelation of your heart and nature. Thank you for the reminder of who you really are, your goodness, compassion, slow to anger, bounding in mercy. Lord, would you help us? Help us to carry that heart. And we, we're not just wanting to learn 
new tricks and new messages. We want to become people who are intrinsically transformed because we've soaked in your compassion. So I pray for each of us today. If there's any area of our lives that has been tarnished, damaged, twisted, disturbed because of the absence of a, of a proper rooting in compassion. Lord, would you bring a fresh revelation. Let your love be shed abroad in our hearts by Holy Spirit given to us. I pray for those who, for whom their first half of their life has been difficult and maybe a marriage didn't work and there's been a divorce and there's been a loss and now there's a chance to start to, 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 to trust again, to love again. Lord, we, we pray that there'd be a new season, a season where new lessons are learned because they emanate not from new policies and principles, but they emanate from an encounter with the God who is love, whose name is compassion. I pray for those amongst us, Lord, who, who've done, done battle with anxiety. I pray for a fresh revelation of your limitless resource. Surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. So Lord, we pray, let that happen. More and more of your limitless goodness and mercy. And I pray for those, especially today amongst us, who uh, have had hard things so spoken over them. Disruptive things. Abusive things. And they've attached to their souls like lies. And I pray, Lord, that words of truth, words of grace would begin to flow. Displacing the lies and bringing a new freedom and a new foundation. In Jesus' name, come Holy Spirit. Thank you for what you're doing right now in this place. If you're facing a challenge right now and, and you really need God to embolden you, you're having to make some courageous decisions. I'm going to ask you just to stand where you are. I want to pray for you especially. You're needing to make some decisions that require more courage than what you've known up to now. Would you, would you just do that right now? Just stand where you are. hands out in front of you. Would you just do that? Put your hands out. It's an act of surrender, an act of yielding, an act of receiving and allowing Him to come to you. None of you came here by accident today. There's been a divine appointment in the plan and purpose of God for you to be here. Right now, Lord, even as you see these hearts being extended to you, as the hands go out, come Holy Spirit, we pray for a fresh revelation Displace the lies. Lift the limits. And release a new courage to say yes to what up to now has been rather tentative. Say yes to the opportunities that lie before. We speak, we speak your compassion and your compassion creates courage. Know that you're loved. Know that you're profoundly loved, says the Lord. You're loved more than you could ever understand. And He says, I, I will not let you go. And this is a day of new beginnings, says the Lord.
all your failures, all your fears, you can shake them off. Let them go. And as he says, I've got you now. And we're going to do this thing together. We're going forward together. No longer is it you alone. It's a partnership. A partnership in compassion. Between you and God. And between you and God's people. So we bless you. We bless what God's doing in you. All of it. Bless all that He's doing. We bless the courage that's coming on you. For the full outworking of God's plan and purpose and timing. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Bless you guys. Five after eleven, feel free to just run off in your own. I just love what you just said about I will not let you go. So let's just stand together and make a declaration when we go. Um, it's felt like we, we hear the Father say, I won't let you go. And we get to say back to him, we won't let you go. Yeah? It's just like something there of grounding ourselves as we hold on to the Lord in our lives, our Lord, our, our, our Father. So join me in that. So I think we're going to do it like a military, military grade. So, um, so we hear the Father say, I will not let you go. We say back to the Father, we will let you go. Let's do it again. We hear the Father say, I will not let you go. We say back to you, Father, we will not let you go. Bless you guys. Have a fantastic Sunday further. Thanks for all this time together. It's really special. And uh, stay away from the Pangolians. <laughs> Bless you all.